All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 102. My name's Bob Ekhayer. I'm going to be joined by my co-host, J.D. Moore. And we're talking the, the first college football playoff selection committee rankings of this season. And we're going to be joined by ESPN's Matt Barry, who many of you know from SportsCenter, doing Thursday night games and all kinds of other conversation that he does and work he does for ESPN. So we're going to go ahead and get this all loaded up. In fact, I see our guest in the audience. So I'm going to go ahead and send him an invite to speak. And the way, oh, now I can see my co-host as well. It's always kind of fun how we do this. So we're going to be doing this for about, oh, 30 minutes. But we're happy to take questions from you about these college football playoff rankings. And Matt, thanks for joining us. Guys, happy college football screaming season. We, uh, we had the first Tuesday of the year. We could all yell and scream unless you're a Tennessee fan. And we've got Maxion on the TV. So it, it, it's really a good night in college football, top to bottom. Absolutely. And, J.D., have you made it up? Yeah, I have made it up here. I'm ready for hooting and hollering season. I mean, we got Tennessee number one. I'm sure we got plenty of controversy left all throughout these top 25. But, Matt, let's get those first impressions out of the way. You have covered and called a lot of college football. What stands out to you on this first set of rankings? Well, look, the Tennessee story is great. First time being ranked number one since 1998. I've, I've gone on record numerous times saying Tennessee is one of those brands that when they are – in the conversation for SEC East championships, SEC championships, and college football championships is good for the sport. And so I think we see that tonight with a big one coming into to Georgia this week and with Georgia coming in third. I think the biggest one, and a lot of people are honing in on this, TCU down at seventh. When you look at where they've gone this season, four ranked wins in a row, I know Boo Corrigan, and this is probably, you know, it was his first time as committee chairman, got into it a little bit, talking about how TCU's had to come from behind in a number of their games. Back-to-back weeks, they had to come back from 17 points down to get the win. Then he used that compared to what Alabama's done. And so the, the comment he was trying to make didn't exactly sync up, I think, with what he was trying to describe. But I would say TCU's the first one to me. And, and guys, I would also say you could go down as far as nine, in my opinion, at USC – and even Ole Miss at 11 and UCLA at 12 with teams that I think that with things still in front of everybody could still play their way into this top four. Oh, no kidding about that. I think one of the big things that we all need to remember is, you know, this is the first rankings of the season. And if you want to go all the way back, the very first one ever had Mississippi, Mississippi State, and Auburn as three of those four. And none of those teams made that inaugural playoff. We've seen other ones before of, you know, uh, how many times has Oklahoma started at eight or further in that first ranking and then they ended up getting into the system? Uh, How many times have we seen something like Michigan or Michigan State? I mean, 2015, Michigan State. State was number seven in the country in that very first opening one. Heck, Ohio State in 2014 was the number 14 team in that initial playoffs. Surely we're going to see some kind of movement, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, and let's walk through that because it's a good conversation to have. When you look at the initial rankings, again, I started off by saying happy screaming season because it's just the way of it. But let's just, let's just walk through this with, with the listeners and, and college football fans out there. Tennessee and Georgia play this weekend. That's one versus three. Ohio State, Michigan scheduled to play. That's two versus five. So right there, four of the five teams play. 
Alabama LSU go at it this weekend. TCU still has a number of games on their Big 12 schedule. And don't forget it's a round robin in the Big 12 because there aren't divisions. So they're going to have an opportunity to play their way up. And the same goes for Oregon and USC. Now, the Pac-12 is a little bit different because of the way that, that some of these games are still left to play. UCLA and USC have their big rivalry game. Oregon wouldn't see USC until the Pac-12 championship. However, USC has that loss hanging out there to Utah. And so if you look at SC's schedule with Cal, Colorado, at UCLA and Notre Dame left, and they've got a pretty easy path minus the UCLA game. And so I guess the point being, first rankings are good for a television show, which we all love about it. But with, with here on November 1st, with all the football that's left to be played, especially with these teams that are ranked in the top eight, this thing is going to sort itself out. It's probably going to sort itself out before Thanksgiving weekend. Absolutely. You know, Joe D., you've, you want to request to speak. We'd love to hear from you. Unmute and give us your question. Oh, looks like he's actually still connecting. Sometimes it's so funny. You know, Matt, I know I think this is your first Twitter space. Sometimes the connections between all the phones get a little odd. But let's see here. TCA, why don't you go ahead and unmute? We'd love to hear from you. So to all the haters that said that Tennessee should have hired Greg Schiano, they can absolutely suck it tonight. Tennessee's number one and deserves to be. <laughs> this is definitely a lot of uh, schadenfreude for, I think, a lot of Tennessee fans out there. Don't you agree? I mean, Matt, you were just talking about that. This has got to be like, this is the season they've all dreamed about. I just, I yeah. think the surprise is how fast it's come. I just uh, love that's how we roll on Twitter spaces. I didn't know we were going going that that passionate with the, with the firm suck it early on. But, um, look, if, 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 if every Tennessee fan's being honest with themselves, and there's probably a few on here, I don't know how many were applauding the Josh Heupel hire either. If they're being really honest with themselves, they didn't like that White brought in his coach from UCF uh, and and basically thought it was just a buddy-buddy deal. Now, having said that, it's worked out quite nicely for Josh Heupel in year two, and I hope to see it continue. But, you know, it's always revisionist history when it comes to coaching hires. At the beginning, the ones that are laughed at, one of the most famous ones, I think Pete Carroll was number three or four. On he was USC's four. He was wish. definitely four. Okay, so there Trojan. you go. <laughs> four, four on USC's wish list, and he built one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen. So, yeah, today it's a great hire from Tennessee. You know, 24 months ago, I don't know that the Tennessee fans were hopping up and down that Josh Heupel was there. Well, how about, how about Brian Harson though? I mean, they were hired at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, you can go back to that coaching class in general and, and, you know, th- th- look, there are times you can look at a, a coach and a hire and it's, eh, it's not that good of a fit. And, and Harson was one of those, but look, you can't say anything bad about Josh Heupel right now. He got the right transfer quarterback and Hendon hooker Jalen uh, Hyatt's played out of his mind. So it, look, Things are going well for Tennessee, and this is a de facto SEC East championship game this weekend against Georgia, and I can't wait to see it. Hey, Joe, looks like we got you back up. What was your thought? You got me back. Um, Tar Tar Heel fan here, ranked 17. Not that I think it's going to happen, but what happens if they go 12-1, and they're a conference champion, and they finish about eight in the final rankings? Don't you think that's a little embarrassing? I, I love that question. I called UNC's week zero game uh, Drake May's first start, and you could tell then that he was going to be something special. If you look at North Carolina where they're ranked 17th with their only loss being to Notre Dame, they need a couple of things to happen. One, they need Notre Dame to keep winning. 
Because then you start looking at – we look at quality wins, but then they also take into consideration the quality loss. You've got Virginia this weekend. That should be a blowout. Wake Forest is still ranked. Even though Wake Forest got pummeled against Louisville, it was embarrassing. Georgia Tech isn't good. Then you've got the rivalry game against NC State. And then you're going to get an opportunity at Clemson in the ACC championship. It, so much has to happen in front of them. 17th to me was probably a little low for North Carolina. Uh, but they have the star power. They have the explosive offense. Gene Chizik's defense has been trying to figure it out. But the schedule right now with Virginia, Georgia Tech, two wins. Wake Forest at Wake Forest, that's the swing game for me. And then NC State's going to be tough in the rivalry. I'd say 17th, probably a little low uh, if they want to get back in this thing. But certainly they have, a, they, have, they have the schedule, they've got the record, and they've got the star power. So anything could happen. But I, I'd say 17 is probably a little too low for them to work themselves into the conversation. Yeah, agreed. I was hoping to see like maybe 14 tonight. 17 was, uh, 17 was definitely tough to see. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, and, and I think that'd be – if I look, you know, Ole Miss LSU is an interesting one because it's clear the committee likes Ole Miss. LSU with two losses is in front of them because they have to be because they beat them. I would have slotted them. I think North Carolina is better than Penn State. I think they, they're probably better than Illinois, although Illinois' defense is absolutely remarkable. Utah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd buy that. I'd probably put them ahead of Kansas State. So, yeah, I'd have slotted them anywhere between 12 and 15, and then at that point uh, you're talking about an opportunity with so much football ahead of them with who's ranked. Yeah, it was definitely tough to see Kansas State, LSU, Penn State ahead of them, I would say. Well, I'll keep this, I, I, now keep this I, I, in mind. LSU, LSU, if they lose this weekend, they're going to hop out of that conversation. Ole Miss still has Alabama. They'll hop out of that conversation. Penn State, the one that that's the one I disagree with being at 15. So there's, there's still some opportunities to get up there, especially, like I said, with these matchups coming up. I got to follow up on that. What do you find problematic with Penn State where they are? Well, one, I, I learned a lot about Penn State against Michigan. And that was that one week, and I believe off memory, that was week seven with all of those top ten and undefeated matchups. And it was to the point where Penn State didn't even look like they belonged on the same field with Michigan. They were just physically beaten up on the ground game absolutely embarrassed the Penn State defense. They couldn't tackle. Sean Clifford in the offense was nowhere to be found. And so I'm looking at that game. I said, well, this is supposed to be a top 10. This is not a top 10 football team. And at home, at noon, you knew they were going to show up against Ohio State and play, play inspired football. But at the end of the day and at the end of the game, Ohio State was clearly head and shoulders above Penn State. So here they are with two losses in their two biggest games where they weren't even competitive in the second half. To still try to convince yourselves that they're a top 15 team is probably a little bit of an aggressive ranking for the Nittany Lions. So, Kaylee, you're up here. We'd love to hear from you. What's up? Um, hey, um, so I just wanted to say I'm a Tennessee fan. Um, my freshman year, we actually was the year that they fired Butch Jones. And, you know, we got Georgia coming up this weekend. Uh, I think we can get it done. Um, I hope we do. But I think this season has just been a dream come true for a lot of Tennessee fans. You know, we're coming back to relevancy, um, not only in the SEC, but just in the nation. So I'm just proud to be a Tennessee ball, and I just had to say that. Yeah, it, it, look, this, the turnaround that, that's gone on at, at Tennessee is, is nothing short of remarkable based on where that thing was left with, with Jeremy Pruitt, um, with the, the violations that were coming, the amount of players that ent entered the transfer portal, 
And it was really sad to see how far Tennessee football had fallen. And like I had said uh, to the listener a minute ago, like, the, you know, the, he brought up the Greg Schiano thing. And, yeah, that wasn't a popular hire. That ended up not happening. And then Josh Heupel comes in to make reviews. And now here you have the most exciting offense to watch in college football. Remember back in the day, back in the early 90s, I mean, that game was the Florida-Tennessee game. That was Steve Spurrier, Danny Warfel, Phil Fulmer, Peyton Manning, Team Martin. I mean, that that was the game to decide the SEC East. The checkered end zone, uh, Rocky Top. I mean, it was just a, Tennessee football and that brand is good for football. I say the same thing about Florida State. I say the same thing about Miami. Some of these schools that are down right now, and Tennessee was one of them until now, when they bubble up into the national conversation, it's good for the sport. And so them coming out at number one, and there's a lot of teams, guys, that we say this, well, who are they? Are they legit? Tennessee's resume tells me and should tell the greater college football audience, regardless of what you think of Tennessee in the past, this version of Tennessee reminds me a lot of 2019 LSU. Explosive and could be lightning in a bottle in that perfect scenario where they can make a run all the way to the title. Matt, this upcoming weekend, there's a huge game for Tennessee, which for me is also another fascinating one, with number three, Georgia. So Georgia is number one in the AP pool, but they're defending national champions. Undefeated, they have a 49-3 drubbing over number eight, Oregon. Uh, Is Georgia slotted correctly at number three right now? I think so. Um, When you look at... We'll get to this one in a minute, but I think where you look at Georgia, for me at least, they lack explosiveness and punch, if that makes sense. And Brock Bowers, whenever he decides to come out, it's probably going to be next year. He's a true sophomore. He's a, he's a Rob Gronkowski starter kit. They still play really good defense, although the Nolan Smith injury is going to impact them, I think, moving forward. But they don't have a lot of explosiveness on offense. So if you're looking at the difference between number one, Tennessee, number two, Ohio state. I think anybody, anybody that watches the sport understands that Tennessee and Ohio state, let's go to that, that annoying term that we all like to use this time of year. I test, you look at them and you say, that's an explosive football team. Georgia, remember lost a ton of guys to the NFL. Oregon is in game one with Dan Lanning, Bo Nix trying to get this thing figured out with their offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham. I think that was a perfect storm for Georgia to mop up on Oregon in week one. I would just say the Bulldogs are still considered, in my mind, one of the top six teams in the country. Regardless, they're ranked third now. Even if they were to fall this week, and I still think they're one of the top six best teams in the country. But I just don't think they are as explosive as the two teams ahead of them. Hey, Joe, you have your hand raised. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. I just wanted to talk about uh, Corrigan's comments uh, saying we're, we're looking for balanced teams on offense and defense and TCU's gone behind in games when he was asked about uh, TCU being behind Alabama. Just, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I'm, I'm pretty sure Alabama got so behind they lost the game. So that was just interesting to it, see. Yeah, I had Boo. We had the um, North Carolina. They had the NC State uh, Virginia Tech game on Thursday myself and Dan Mullen, and we had uh, Boo in the booth with us there in the third quarter. We were talking about his first uh, stance as the college football playoff committee chairman. It's not an easy job. It's a thankless job. you got to go out there on live TV, and whether he agrees with the rankings or not, he's speaking on behalf of the 13 other committee members, so it's not the easiest thing to try to put out there 
the opinions of other committee members where I would guarantee, because I've been in those selection rooms in a mock selection committee, we've done it. Not everyone agrees. And I do agree with you that the comments came off a little bit twisted pretzel-like in that he made a comment about TCU having to come back from double-digit deficits, and that's why Alabama was ahead of them, although Alabama, I'm convinced with Quinn Ewers, probably would have lost to Texas. Uh, Texas A&M had a chance to beat them on the final play, and they lost to Tennessee. So unfortunately for Boo, uh, the example that he used with the team Alabama was not the correct example to use. Uh, I think it just got twisted there. But uh, look, it, it, and then and then there's the – well. Look at the teams that are ranked in the top six. And I know that they've been down, but Tennessee is a brand name. Ohio State's a brand name. Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama. These are blue blood programs if there ever were any. And TCU coming at seventh doesn't help perpetuate that thought that these bigger programs get a better look at this thing. I, I feel better with that rather than just hearing Boo's uh, comments. That's, that's a good answer. Matt, I think one of the other peculiar things is TCU is the lowest-ranked undefeated team right now. And I'm pretty confident if you know any TCU fan, they're immediately thinking back to 2014 of getting up to number three, winning their game by 55, and then getting dropped down. Uh, I'm really curious to know, with these top six teams in front of them, is there any kind of situation where we see like a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Michigan uh, still being able to jump frog TCU, uh, even if TCU goes all the way? Yeah, I mean, the short answer to that is yes, um, that there is a possibility of that happening. Um, TCU is near and dear to my heart. On my way to ESPN, I actually worked in the Dallas-Fort Worth television market at the NBC station out there. We did a lot of stuff with TCU, and Gary Patterson was building that thing with Andy Dalton, and they were going to Rose Bowls and beat Wisconsin. They were in the Fiesta Bowl against Boise State, I believe. And so I've kind of seen that thing. Uh, grow from the ground up in terms of introducing themselves to the national modern era college football landscape. And yeah, the thing with 14 that really angered everybody was that TC was ranked third. Now remember, this is how it got so polarizing. TCU's ranked third in that. The committee knowing that their final game of the season was against an awful Iowa State team. So you knew TCU was going to win their final game of the season. This wasn't good Iowa State back then. This was bad Iowa State. And so if I'm a TCU fan, then I'm sitting there at third, knowing I'm going to pummel Iowa State, which they did. So what was going to be the difference between now and then? And I think that's where a lot of people uh, got they, – they weren't a fan of the playoff from day one because of what happened at TCU. And so there are going to be some bad memories. But their schedule, Texas Tech, they have them at noon this weekend – the swing game for them, I keep talking about swing games with some of these teams, is Texas. If you go to Texas and win, that's the last ranked game on your schedule. Baylor, Iowa State, and then you're set up to play in the Big 12 championship. I would like to think that at that point, you've got five ranked wins and the conference championship based on what's ahead of them, barring a last-second field goal in any of these games with the SEC quad, and that includes Ole Miss, um, I I would like their chances a lot. I really believe that if they were to go 13-0, and conference champion with that many ranked teams, I'd like to think that that would be good enough. 
Is there a slot still or any sort of path for the Pac-12 to get back in the playoff conversation? Because, again, Oregon's probably their best bet right now, but they have that 49-3 loss to Georgia. Uh, they've got the round robin, but is there any chance that the Pac-12 is going to get in without some help? The Oregon conversation bothers me a little in that I I know is week one, but I, I'm not going to be able to get 49-3 out of my head, especially – if Georgia gets in, because I mean, does anyone want to see a team again, unless you're just into redemption stories and you really believe that they're going to be that much better. I mean, do you want to see Georgia and and Oregon again after week one? I don't, they have Colorado this weekend. They'll name their number against them. Washington. I know they, those programs don't like each other. I don't think it's going to matter, but then they end the season with Utah and Utah right now has only got the one loss in conference, two losses overall because they lost to Florida week one, and then Oregon State, who's currently ranked, who for some reason is an underdog this weekend against Washington. And so, again, to answer the yeah, there's a path. I mean, again, they won't get USC until the conference championship game should USC handle their business. So let's just say you, let's just say UCLA handles their business for the sake of this conversation, and both teams go into that game 11 and one at that point UCLA will have moved up just based on things that are happening in front of them Ole Miss still has to play Alabama LSU's got Alabama this weekend so both of those teams that they lose fall down now you see UCLA in the top 10 getting ready to take on an Oregon team who sits eighth based on stuff happening above Oregon they could slot their way up and so there would have to be some heavy movement and UCLA would likely have to win convincingly against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, vice versa for Oregon to get in. So just to follow up on that, so with USC, would they, if, with them winning out, have a clearer path? Because they've only had the very close loss to Utah, which is you know ranked at 14 right now. Of the Pac-12 teams, would they have the better route to potentially reaching uh, an yeah, outside it, chance of the playoffs? Are you so in this scenario? You're saying 12 and one, they win the Pac-12 championship, right? I would think so. Yes, because if if I'm a committee member and I'm in that room, I know that Oregon is a hell of a football team right now, and I know Bo Nix is. I mean, he set a career high last week with six touchdowns. I can I mean, the guy is playing out of his mind, and I and I I respect them for what they're doing. But me personally, I couldn't get 49-3 out of my head if that same team was in the playoff. Or let's just put it this way. If Tennessee beats Georgia this weekend and they went out and they take care of the West representative, say this guy, let's say it's Alabama, and Alabama's out because they've got the two losses, Georgia – Let's just say their only loss of the season is narrowly this weekend against Tennessee, which would take them out of the SEC East conversation if Tennessee wins out. Then you're going to have a committee. If Oregon were to win out, we'll say, well, wait a second. Georgia's only got the one loss. They're 11-1. and one. It was narrowly to the SEC champ, Tennessee. I know Oregon's a Pac-12 champion, but we already saw Oregon and Georgia play, and Georgia pummeled them. No, Georgia's in, Oregon's out. Conversely, if it's USC – brand name, star power, Lincoln, Riley, Caleb Williams, and they go and beat Oregon convincingly, and they are a conference champion at 12-1, and one, I do believe then you would have to consider the conversation of, okay, 12-1 and one USC against a non-conference champion winning Georgia. I think then they would have to probably consider it. So we have another caller, him. Why don't you go ahead and unmute yourself? We'd like to hear from you. 
Thank you, guys. Matt, how's it going? Uh, Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm at work. I took a little break, and now I uh, just saw the the playoff uh, rankings released. Give me your best-case scenario for dancing Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers to make the college football playoff. Okay, I love this one. I had uh, I had Brian Kelly on SportsCenter with me today, and you could just tell – how much he has enjoyed his first year there relative to how the season started and where this team has grown. So here's your best case scenario for LSU. They beat Alabama convincingly this weekend, beat them convincingly. Let's call convincing 31 to 10, 31, 17. I'd even give them. They beat Arkansas. They beat UAB. They beat Texas A&M. Alabama beats Ole Miss to knock Ole Miss out of the conversation. Alabama's already out of the conversation. LSU gets to the SEC championship and then goes and beats Tennessee by two touchdowns in the SEC championship. Then you're talking a team that's 11-2 and two with double-digit wins over Alabama and a double-digit win over Tennessee. You write that down. Then you can carve the, the playoff path from the boot in LSU and get them in. Thank you so much. Even though it sounds like the pipe dream. Uh, I will be, uh, <laughs> but that's what it's all about, that. right? You got to have an opportunity somewhere. Yeah. When, where is NCAA football 2023 when you need it on Xbox, right? I would light that thing up right now and create an absolute dynasty tonight. I wouldn't sleep. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Matt, let's go ahead and stay in the state of Louisiana for a hot second. Uh, you know, it's not been a surprise to see G5 teams not get representation in the past. And this year, well, it's not necessarily a banner year for G5 teams across the country. But you've got UCF at 25, that 6-2 and two record. And then you've got Tulane, 7-1, and one, a great win over Kansas State, in at 19. Is this a year that we're going to see any kind of movement with G5 schools at all? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not going to be talking about, you know, like a playoff race necessarily or anything with that division, uh, but at least in the race for what's going to be that G5 opening in the New Year's Six, what are some of the things that we might be able to see in the rankings for that? You know, I, I'll tell you guys, I called the uh, UCF game a few weeks ago against Temple, and it was as perfect of an offensive performance that I've ever seen. And I, on air, uh, Lewis Riddick and I were talking about how UCF wants the game against Louisville back because they lost to Louisville, who hadn't looked good until last week, 20-14, to 14, should have won that game. And so we're, we're pumping UCF, and then they go and lose and look listless against East Carolina, which absolutely stunned me. They got it back on track this weekend against Cincinnati, this last weekend against Cincinnati. Uh, the Tulane game is going to be big. In fact, we're calling Tulane next week in New Orleans on Thursday night college football. So I'll get to, to get my eyes on them in person. Uh, but I, I would agree. Typically there's one or two G5 teams that come out that people are really, really starting to pull for because they've got, you know, an unheralded quarterback that's just lighting it up or they've got a star running back, whatever the case might be. And, 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 and Tulane's kind of quiet with that right now. They had the nice win. I mean, how good is that win against Kansas State? And how bad is that loss to Southern Miss? And so I would like to see Tulane get a win this weekend against Tulsa, which I think they will. Their swing game is in two weeks against UCF. If they get through that 12-1, and one, you know, they're, they're going to get the, the New Year's Six bid, which would, which would be fun for, for everybody involved just because the, the group of five tends to bring a lot of passion. But in terms of, of teams that we can talk about being a, a playoff buster a la Cincinnati a year ago, uh, you're just not going to see it.
Hey, Aram, we got you up here. What's your question? You know, it's question and venting frustration that Clemson's number four. So I guess my question would be, you know, would Clemson even be a favorite on a neutral field over any of the teams ranked five through 11? I, I don't think that, you know, if, if you run them down, you know, Michigan, no, they're not favored over uh, – Clemson's not favored over Michigan, Alabama, T- maybe TCU, Oregon, USC, LSU, Mississippi. They're not favored over any of those teams on a neutral field, and yet they're four. And I just feel like there's really no path to get them out of there because, you know, who's going to beat them? So I, I would agree with you. I don't think Clemson should be four in the initial rankings. They've only got their ranked wins against Wake Forest, NC State. They needed, I think, double overtime to get past Wake Forest. Uh, NC State, they did a good job shutting down Devin Leary. In the Syracuse game, they trailed 21-7 at one point. And then they, you know, they inserted the freshman quarterback, Cade Klubnick, and had to come back and get that win. And so I don't think they've done anything to say, wow, Clemson's one of the best four teams in the country. But I will disagree with you on two things. One, I think at Notre Dame is going to be a pretty stiff test for them if Notre Dame that played last week shows up. Uh, and two, I don't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily dismiss North Carolina in an ACC championship for the for the simple reason of Clemson's offense isn't as explosive as years past. And North Carolina's weakness has been their defense. So I don't know that they're facing an offense in North, North Carolina's defense is facing an offense in Clemson's offense. They couldn't stop. I, I think that there's still a couple of hurdles left for, for Clemson to get through, but I do agree. Having them fourth right now is a little bit surprising just based on the body of work we've seen out of them. Uh, just to tack on a question, if the scenario unfolds where we have a one loss SEC champion, or excuse me, two SEC teams have one loss, let's say Tennessee, and Alabama, like Alabama beats Tennessee in the SEC title game, right? So th- we have those two plus uh, uh, an Ohio State um, that's undefeated. Is, is there a scenario, I guess what I'm asking, is where where two SEC teams could knock Clemson out? Yes. And and, and Clemson is undefeated at that yes. point? I, I think so. Cause he, and, and, I, and I know a lot of people don't like hearing this, and, and despite what everyone thinks, there's, there's no SEC bias at the network I work for. There, there really isn't. But you cannot convince me, and I'll, I'll screen this until the playoff expands. If Tennessee was to be the number one ranked team from November 1st all the way through the SEC championship and then lose to Alabama, a team they've already beaten, there isn't a person on this planet that could convince me with that one loss being number one for this entire time now convince me that they're not one of the four best teams in the country with one loss. And that's what this will come down to. Yeah, I, After this weekend, after the Georgia weekend, I'll have seen enough out of Tennessee barring an upset, and then they don't deserve to be in. But I've seen enough out of Tennessee to say, you know what, that's one of the best four teams in the country. So if their one loss comes to Alabama, and Alabama gets them in the SEC championship, I still believe Tennessee is one of the four best teams in the country. So, yes, you would have an Ohio State in that situation if they won out, beat Michigan, won the Big Ten championship. That could and should likely knock out uh, a Clemson team if it, if it came down to that. Well, Matt, we really appreciate the time you spent with us this, this evening. Where are you going to be this week, and where can we find you? 
All right, so we, we've got a, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. I'll be on the Noon Sports Center tomorrow uh, afternoon, 12 p.m. Eastern. We'll be recapping some of the college football playoff rankings and having fun there. I will then get on a flight after Sports Center, headed to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, going to Conway for the big uh, Coastal Carolina Appalachian State game Thursday night, uh, 7:30 Eastern ESPN. Then I'll fly back Friday morning, be in studio Friday night for the doubleheader on ESPN. And then I'll be there all day Saturday taking you to college football final with uh, Joey Galloway and Dan Mullen at about 1 a.m. Eastern on, on Saturday. So we have a, uh, a fun weekend now that the college football playoff rankings are out. And we're going we're gonna to finish this month of November like we started it on the high note. Absolutely. You know, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you with us. You guys are the best, man. Anytime. Happy to do this with you guys anytime. It's good talking to people out there. To me, it's what makes the sport so great, the passion of the fans and how we live. I mean, I'm an Arizona State alum, and I, it hasn't been the greatest season for them, but we, we always live on what our team does, and I think that, that's what makes this three months so special. Amen. It's cyclical. It's cyclical. We, you know, everybody has a down year, and then it gets fun again. So Let's hope. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to all of you who joined us. This was RCFB Talk 102. Well, on behalf of myself, Bob Akairi, on behalf of my co-host, J.D. Moore, thanks for joining us this evening. We hope you all enjoyed the show, and we hope we're going to have another great weekend of college football. So be sure to check out what's going on right now on ESPN. we got some action on two different channels, and we'll see you all later. So I'm going to hang up and listen.